I am Jay Crisp Crow and this is Cup of Copy. It has been percolated especially for copywriters, marketing pros, virtual assistants, and anyone looking to write words that sell. It's delivered in slurpable sips, quick caffeinated shots of copy, branding, and messaging ideas, fast enough to consume before your coffee goes cold. Straight to your ears with a delicious brew of organically, sustainably, ethically, and biodynamically grown copy tips and advice. Pop the kettle on and don't be latte. It's time for Cup of Copy. Some of you have heard me say this before. Copywriting is part creative and part science. And here's where someone who has never formally studied the human brain will tell you a thing I am 99% sure is true. When we are under pressure, it's much easier to recall something than it is to create something new. And writing our own copy puts us under tremendous pressure, even if we are professionals. It's okay to feel overwhelmed when your website designer says, oh, now just get me your content in the next week and I'll chuck it on your website. It's like asking someone like me to code or give anesthetic or drive a race car. None of those things I know how to do. So of course, I'm going to feel like I want to throw up. So what do we do when we're under pressure? We recall things. This is why we need to think before we edit, not think before we write, because that's part of our vomit then edit plan that we spoke about last week. And with all good copywriting, it's often not all about writing new words. It's about editing. So here is a little crisp copy guide of words to think about scrapping during your editing process. First up, anything that sounds like your competitor could have written it. Do not visit your competitor's websites on the regular, but do do it once when you're coming up with your brand voice stuff so that you can make sure that you don't sound exactly like them. And if you come across a word that you feel like you could make something up or you can find a word that you can only, only you can sensibly own, like crisp, use that instead. Other things to think about, those words that you read everywhere. Now, it's not a surprise for many of our listeners to know that I am leading a one-woman charge against the word passionate being used every flipping where, but along with passionate, think things like authentic, beautiful, empowered, trustworthy, experienced, reliable, dependable, honest, ethical. Yes, they're all words that probably mean something to us, but the problem is your reader, who hopefully may be your ideal client, has read those exact words 5,862 times before they even slurped their morning coffee And instead of just hating them, like I hate the word passionate, their brains go meh over the top. Meh. I'm an meh, 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 meh. And and nothing really sits. Nothing makes an impact. So think about (laughs) instead, what does authentic, passionate, beautiful, empowered, experienced, trustworthy, reliable, dependable, honest, and ethical actually mean for your client. Use your words to tell them what they actually get because you are those things. Now, next thing. Yes, we want to write copy that's conversational, but we don't have to include everything we'd say to someone to their face in our copy. You've got to know your ideal client when you're making these decisions. You've got to know who your reader is. If she is the kind of person that cringes when you send her an email line saying, hey, beautiful, buy my thing, take out the beautiful. If it's a term of endearment, then you probably need to have a good relationship with that person to be able to call them sweetheart. Otherwise, it's a little too close. However, 
Using something like Honey Bunch somewhere in your copy may have the outcome of making your reader stop scrolling and read. But think about not overdoing it. Don't get too comfortable with people. I interviewed some of my folk <clears throat> and here are some of the other words that the people I surveyed said drove them up the wall. Bay, <laughs> babe, honey, honey buns, hun. Oh, hun is my personal least favourite. Beautiful, again, came up over and over again. Hey, beautiful, sweetie pie, juicy face, squishy butt, whatever it is that you feel like you would call people to their face, just really carefully think about whether you want to write it in your copy. Unless those words are part of your very, very considered brand voice development. If you're Denise Duffel-Thomas, you can absolutely get away with calling people lovelies. If you naturally squeal, hello, beautiful, when you see people you love, then yeah, maybe keep it. Maybe it also works. Some other words that I asked when I asked my people what drove them absolutely bananas. Uh, these are some of the other words that um, they don't love. Disrupt. What does that even mean? Hustle comes up a lot. Now, if you've heard my other podcast episode with Jen Zevin, where we talked about um, the word hustle, I'm very pro-hustle, also very pro-nap. But lots of people really have a problem with it. Empower came up and up again and again. What does it actually mean? Um, heart center, journey, live your best life, deep dive. Let's take a deep dive. Like it just sounds painful and like you're going to need an air something. What are those air things that sit on the back of people? You know, tank. Manifest, beating overwhelm. Beating overwhelm is another one on my hit list. What does that actually mean for people? Another thing to consider, and oh, women in business, I'm landing you in it again because so many of you want to do this thing, which is pretend to be bigger than just you. Are you really a collective? Because you're not if there's just one of you. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Don't say we unless you have a team. Don't pretend you're a collective if you're a solo operator and realise the inherent benefit of working with the woman at the top of the food chain instead of an agency who may just outsource their work to an intern. That's actually one of your selling points. Don't underestimate it. Now, here is a hotly contested one, but since I made this decision, I feel really good about it. I still catch myself saying it, but when I'm right, when I write, when I'm right, <laughs> doesn't happen very often. When I write, I'm really conscious that this is a branding decision I've made because it aligns with my own personal beliefs. And that always feels a bit fabulous. So I'm talking about woman. Woman is an inclusive term that means anybody who identifies as being one. Female is a scientific term that refers to the sex capable of producing children. Also, woman means a human, while females can be any species. So if you have a brand, say, for example, that sells stockings, you're probably going to sell them to every person who identifies as somebody who wears stockings, rather than saying they're only for the sex who was born with specific reproductive organs. I love this quote, and I'll hook you up in the show notes to who said it. When you refer to a woman as a female, you're ignoring the fact that she is a female human it reduces a woman to her reproductive parts and abilities. Also, not all women are biologically female. And the conflation of female to woman erases gender non-conforming people and members of the trans community. If you're hip with this idea, also consider rethinking hysterical. And in the show notes, you'll find a really good article about that. Now, 
<clears throat> Here's the good bit. Culturally appropriated language. This little list includes some words that we see being used all the time in marketing and perhaps wouldn't think twice about repeating or using in our own copy. Top of the list is tribe. Don't, <laughs> unless you have the right to be using it. Equally spirit animal, and I'm guilty of this, but it is easy as pie to swap out for something like kindred spirit. Yes, queen, also me, putting my hand up. I use this for years, but it's not mine, so it's not on the usage list anymore. On fleek, also a great love of my life, <laughs> more from watching RuPaul's Drag Race than anything else. Um, I used to say to my daughter all the time, your eyebrows are on fleek today. Again, I don't say that anymore. Bay, gypsy, woke. You are definitely not if you're white and you're still using this term. Ninja, I'm pretty sure you are not a member of the feudal Japanese society of mercenary agents highly trained in martial arts and stealth who were hired for covert purposes ranging from espionage to sabotage and assassination working in social media. Rather, you're probably an expert in social media, even a total whizzy ace expert, but you're probably not a ninja. Guru, unfortunately, this is a word that's usually given to us by an audience, not something we naturally call ourselves. I personally like doyen and would be happy for you all to call me that as often as possible, but authority works just as well. I've even ditched y'all. It was one of my most written words in 2018 and I grew up saying it because it's just too close to the edge for me. Now, you might have listened to this list and thought, this is problematic, what you're asking me to do, Jay. And I understand that because the problem with all of this kind of thinking is copy has to be conversational and conversational tone comes from the way that we as a society use language and the way that we use language has a lot to do with the way that subcultures and mainstream communication happens. And with social media, we are very, very, very intertwined, all of us together. So like with all of these brand word decisions, you have to be the one to decide where the line is between cultural appropriation and the way our conversational style has naturally evolved. But be prepared to be pulled up on it if you're on social media and someone from that marginalised group tells you that you've crossed a line. Your job is to listen. Equally, there's a rise amongst some marginalised groups around the use of some words that can be perceived as derogatory for some people. It wasn't that long ago, uh, especially if you are mid-30s or 40s, that it, you will remember that it was socially acceptable to use the R word in conversation. And now it is absolutely definitely not. I mean, it was definitely not ever right, but it was certainly more socially acceptable to use it back in the 70s, and rightly so, that we don't use it anymore. But we still sometimes use language like, my laptop went completely mental, which can be hurtful for anyone living with a mental health condition. Equally, things like binging. I binged on Netflix. I binged on this webinar. Think about that. Don't forget that one in five people in Australia have a disability, even without considering the consciousness of your brand, which you should be. Don't underestimate the buying power of a fifth of the population. And a lot of the time we don't even realise what we're saying. But when you're considering your brand voice, it's helpful to sometimes have a second or third thought about it. And we will probably keep messing this up. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. So what can you do about it? Easiest step, thesaurus.com. <laughs> Let me just repeat that to you. Go to thesaurus.com, find another word. It will give you 20 other options, especially for passionate. Here's an even better step. 
dig a little deeper. What do you mean when you say that word? What does it promise your people? What benefit do your ideal clients get from you being that word? Because that's what we really want to hear about. You can also go to the show notes of this episode and download a nifty and apple-filled little image to leave on your desktop or print out and stick to your wall, especially helpful if you run webinars or present on Zoom or do Facebook Lives. It's the crisp copy guide to more inclusive terms for groups and you can snaffle it for free off my website. And I would love to hear some of your ideas too. So tell me about those on social media. Then when you've made these branding decisions, give them to everyone. Stick it on your wall add it to your visual style guide. This is an essential part of building your brand voice. Now wrap up, basically, when you're making a decision about a word or a term or a label or a phrase, ask yourself, is this choice of word converting, powerful and on brand? Does it mean something to you? Does it mean the same thing to your ideal client or reader? And does it have context with your brand? If you're good with those answers, then ask yourself, does it hurt anyone? And if it doesn't hurt anyone, go to town. Today's cup of coffee is brought to you by the Crisp Copy Brand Voice Development Workbook. For less than a pub lunch, this workbook will take you through building a word bank, writing brand and benefit statements so you can compel folk to read more of your website, and a series of helpful ideal client questions the ones actually relevant to helping you write your copy. Use the code SOCRISPPODCAST to get 15% off your brand voice development workbook at crispcopy.com.au forward slash online copywriting courses. Spruce your gratitude by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes. And don't forget to forward to your coffee-chugging, word-nerding friends. Subscribe right now so you don't miss a shot. Okay, no more procrastinating. Go on, try that new thing. All right, enough with the coffee puns. I forgot it.